Lester the Nightfly. This is your host, PJ Ewing. This is part four of four parts. We have Dave Kikoski, a jazz piano master from New York City, here with us for a final round of jazz and, in fact, a little bit of classical music. Let's catch up with my conversation with Dave Kikoski here on Lester the Nightfly. We are going to jump back to the year of Johann Sebastian Bach. This is a real departure on our shows, our multiple episodes with Dave Kikoski. We're going to Bach. We're listening to the Prelude and Fugue in E-flat major, the St. Anne BWV 552. This is a transcription of Bach for piano by Busoni. Do I have that right? Yeah, Busoni. For uh, John Ogden, a pianist I do not know, um, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. Let's listen to the epic piece from Johann Sebastian Bach, The Prelude and Fugue in E-flat major here on Lester, The Nightfly.
So that's a work of art. What did he transcribe to get to the piano? What, oh, okay. what was the original? Well, what, hap- what happened exactly was uh, Johann Sebastian Bach, uh, the genius that everyone's heard of him, uh, wrote this piece for organ called the St. Anne. You know, since most of his jobs were in the church, he was usually writing stuff about Christian uh, icons because the church were the ones who were paying him. And I think he had 21 children. He had to write, like, a lot of church music for the Mass for every Sunday. That was his gig. That's how he made his money to feed all those children. So what he did is he wrote this beautiful piece for Oregon. Then then years later, this guy named Bustoni, this Italian guy, he loved Bach so much, he took these organ pieces, arranged them for piano, because now piano wasn't invented during the time of Bach. So Busoni arranged these pieces so that they sound really great on a piano. Basically, it's still Bach's music, but it just works really nice on a piano. And I was looking online and I found this guy, John Ogden, and he plays it really nice. So I have the sheet music, so it's it's the thing I listen to, and I also practice it around the house because mm-hmm. I'm always practicing Bach because Bach is, uh, you know, he's just one of my all-time heroes. So when you transcribe, you're, you're taking away the feet, potentially? Uh, uh, yeah, like- yeah, you're taking away the feet. Uh, no more foot pedals. Very good. And, uh, and you're also just changing some octaves so it will speak. Fascinating. Well, that I'm. Mean, you know what that was? That was like uh, a palate cleanser, a little exactly. bit. We uh, we cleared the decks. We we moved back and heard some structure. Other than this is a cl- a classical piece. There's nothing really related to jazz here. Or am I am I wrong about well, that? Well, I mean the way I the way I look at it, the lines that Bach wrote and Busoni arranged are very similar to the lines that Charlie Parker and John Coltrane and Sonny Rollins play. So it, the beat is different. You don't, you don't hear the lines so clearly because there's jazzy drums in the background. Mm-hmm. But as far as the, the melodic shape of the lines are more similar than you might imagine. So between classical and jazz, there are a lot of similarities. But uh, I guess if you're not a professional musician, it's hard to hear. It's hard to hear it that way. For me, it's just it's all the same. It's like music. It's it's just music. If you're a professional musician and you actually take the solos that Charlie Parker plays or John Coltrane, analyze them right next to Bach. Uh, Johann Sebastian Bach, you will find some similarities. It's not just imagination. This is the kind of stuff you studied at Berkeley, yeah. didn't you? Uh, well, yeah, and on, a lot of it on my own. I mm. mean, I never took a course comparing Charlie Parker with... Uh, I mean, it's just sort of stuff that I figured out on my own. Moving on, if ever I would leave you, Sonny Rollins, uh, this is 1962, Let's hear it here on Lester the Nightfly.
you may be listening right now to one of these bold and innovative radio stations. WHPW 97.3 FM in Harpswell, Maine. KYGT 103.9 and 102.7 FM, The Goat in Clear Creek, Colorado. Tenor saxophonist Sonny Rollins. Wow. Uh, it's beautiful stuff. Uh, this is an important one to you as well, isn't it, Dave? Oh, yeah. The reason this is important to me is, uh, well, one thing I could do is compare it to some of the other things we heard uh, as far as saxophone. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but I don't only listen to jazz piano players all the time. I listen a lot to jazz saxophonists. Um, I don't know why. I've always been attracted to it. I do play a little bit the alto saxophone, and my father oh. played clarinet, as you know, yeah. and saxophone. But I don't know. There's something about the saxophone uh, that I always liked, alto and tenor and even soprano. I just like the sound of it. So uh, Sonny Rollins is one of another one of my heroes. I think what he did, comparing him to... Uh, other tenor players like John Coltrane, who we just heard, uh, and and Charlie Parker, who's an alto player we heard. Um, the difference that I hear, uh, Sonny Rollins is also influenced from Charlie Parker the same way John Coltrane was. But the reason it comes out different, uh, well, they're different people, of course, but the musically the difference is uh, I, Sonny Rollins did a lot of innovating with his rhythms, where John Coltrane, to my ears, did a lot of melodic and harmonic innovation. But, but Sonny Rollins did a lot of rhythmic innovation. So Sonny Rollins has a way of taking a phrase and elongating it, playing it behind the beat, playing it in front of the beat, but he always, he doesn't lose the time. He stretches the time out and elongates it, as I said. And uh, in a way no one has done before or ever since in, in the way I see it. Um, and uh, that's what makes him unique. And that's one of the reasons I like him. And I'm trying to, uh, use some of those rhythms in my own compositions and in my own improvisations. He's just uh, a rhythmic genius. And maybe part of the reason he is a rhythmic genius is his heritage is from St. Thomas, uh, the Virgin Islands. Oh. So he's got a lot of that kind of calypso flavor in his jazz playing. Mm. Are you actively writing a lot now, Dave? Uh, compositions? Yeah. Actually, um, today I was, I was, uh, I guess you would call rewriting. I was uh, working on an arrangement of a song that I've recorded and played before, uh, one of my songs, but I'm writing a, a new harmony part to the melody. So basically I'm arranging it. In a, I'm altering my composition 
in, in I'm trying to uh, record it again in the next month or two. So I'm just I'm doing making some changes on it. So it's not a new tune, but it's it's sound it's sounding fresh. Hopefully, when I'm finished. Where do you usually record nowadays? Usually Manhattan or or Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Sometimes sometimes New Jersey. So when you were recording, there's a Mingus among us, another uh-huh. genius name, um, in the idiom by Randy Brecker's the record. Is, this is your first record date you, you had to be nervous right i yeah well i had a few uh well i was i was a bit nervous because of all the names all the famous people uh, that are, that are these guys were my idols so um there was definitely some nervousness there because when when randy uh, I, I was already playing with roy haynes so that was the initial nervousness playing with roy haynes so uh, I had it, it's it's not the first legend that I that I played with. Um, in other words, I was I was starting to go to Europe with Roy Haynes, so I was really excited about that. Then Randy Brecker heard me play with Roy Haynes and invited me. But when he told me, and I, so I was like, sure, I'd love to play with you. I've always been a fan of of Michael and Randy Brecker, uh, the Brecker brothers. I had all the records. I had all the Brecker Brothers records when I was in high school. All of them. I love that stuff. You were buying that instead of buying Steely Dan, I guess, at the time. Probably, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But actually, I mean, that's how I—that's how I met the guy from Steely Dan, Walter Becker, right. playing with Randy. So it's all connected. Randy's mm. best friends with all those guys. So I see. if you if you play with Randy, eventually you get to meet uh, Steely Dan, I guess. You know what I mean? <laughs> It's part of the it's part of the course. So I was a bit acclimated, but when Randy Brecker told me Joe Henderson on saxophone, that that guy is you know they use the word genius uh, often in, in jazz, but I think too often. But I don't think I'm stretching it when I when I when I'm talking about these guys, which the guys on the guys that are on that record, Joe Henderson on saxophone would not be a stretch. Ron Carter on bass. Um, he's like the king, right, of the bass, mm-hmm. acoustic bass. And and Al Foster, phenomenal drummer, Al Foster. And Randy, of course. So, yeah, I, w- I was a bit nervous. I was a bit nervous. Uh, the, the, the crazy thing at the time was uh, the trio, the trio that I kept going to see all the time at the Blue Note in New York, and, you know, following them around like a puppy dog uh, was the Herbie Hancock trio. Mm. And the Herbie Hancock trio uh, at the time was Al Foster on drums, Ron Carter on bass, and Herbie Hancock on piano. So when Randy <laughs> called me to do the date, um, I'm saying, well, who's playing piano? Herbie? And he's saying, no, you. So then I was like, okay, now I think I'm nervous. I have to play with Herbie's band. You know what I mean? So that's definitely nervous. Oh, man. Because Herbie's like like my hero, my my idol. (laughs) So it was like, wait a minute. I I could sit around and listen to the records with these guys and go to their concerts, but that don't mean I can get up there and play the piano. (laughs) But you did. You did did beautifully. 
You did beautifully. Let's hear it. Let's hear it, man. There's a Mingus Among Us. The record is called In the Idiom by Randy Brecker. It's 1993, featuring on piano, David Kikoski.
This is called Parasina uh, Expansions by McCoy Tyner. That's the name of the record, Expansions. And it's got uh, Wayne Shorter on it. It's 1969. Tell us what we're about to hear, Dave. This is one of my favorite McCoy Tyner album tracks. And I love all McCoy Tyner's albums. He's a great composer as well as uh, one of the most influential piano players ever, McCoy Tyner, one of my all-time heroes. The reason this is, I picked this one, is you don't, Wayne Shorter, the great Wayne Shorter, who we already listened to with Miles, was either with Miles at the time or playing with his own records or then later he played with Weather Report. So he didn't have a chance to play that much with um, McCoy Tyner. But he is on a few records. But this is my favorite. Out of those two records, I think it's two records he did with McCoy Tyner as a sideman. This is one of the recordings and my favorite piece. There's just something special about the composition Parasina and then McCoy solo and Wayne Shorter takes a very lyrical, beautiful, melodic solo. So, and you don't hear that too often because, like I said, they're not on that many records together like this. So, this is really a beautiful saxophone solo and piano solo and composition. Wow. You've really, uh, there's a lot of Wayne Shorter in this collection over the last yep. two shows, Dave. And, and I've, I, I know Wayne Shorter. I've heard some pieces recently, I've heard some singing and other work, but wow, there's a lot more to dive into clearly uh, for all of us. When he's gone, uh, well, he'll never really be gone, but he's going to be, I think he's going to be looked at like the way people look at Charlie Parker and Louis Armstrong, uh, you know, 10, 20 years from now, uh, 30 years from now, people I think will be looking at Wayne Shorter like the way they look at Duke Ellington, for example, because hmm. he's just that good of a composer and, and, and player on the saxophone. Let's hear it. Parasina from the record Expansions by McCoy Tyner from 1969. Thank you. 
we did it. Congratulations. We did it. <laughs> Thank Congratulations you. Congratulations to both of us. <laughs> yes. Thank uh, you. What a pleasure. I, I just can't you know, say enough nice words about you and your work and your, your generosity of your time. Thank you so much. It's been so much fun. I really want to do more with you as soon as we can. I want you too. We'll do it again soon. And that concludes the time with Dave Kikoski. It's been four shows. It's been a lot of fun. I want to thank everybody at WPVM for all the help in production. I want to thank Dave for his time, the folks at Smalls that support guys like Dave and Mesro in Manhattan. If you get a chance, go see some live jazz. It's been a pleasure presenting Dave Kikoski here on Lester the Nightfly. I will see you next week. This has been a PJ DJ production. To learn more about Dave, go to davekikoski.com. To learn more about Lester the Nightfly and this series, visit Lester